Welcome to Invisible Talks, where the truth, different perspectives, and stories are discussed with invisible voices. Media outlets varying using anonymous sources. There's no such thing as off the record, but here on Invisible Talks, all of our stories are off the record. If you're good, put the pieces together. I'm your host, Tyra Elin, recording in the Podcast Town studio. I want to hear your story and perspective to make my life better. I'm tuned in. There's something to be said about mothers and daughters. You know, the makeup, the highs and lows. I often ask myself, are me and my mom really saying the same thing but expressing it differently? Because in most cases we are, and sometimes she's right and I'm just not listening and vice versa. So our next guest, she's a familiar voice, my co-host from Uncensored, Sky. And we're going to dissect the mother-daughter relationship. And Sky is a daughter and also a mother. And so we're just going to dive right into it. And we're going to talk about, you know, the background, the mother dynamic relationship for your life, Sky. Just give us a high level synopsis of what that looks like. Um, yeah. So I would say early childhood and even until I like hit, I want to say a little past puberty, I was more of a daddy's girl. So my mom was more into her I have older sisters. So, of course, they're like, they're five years older than me. So, and they're close in age. So, definitely, she was very preoccupied with my older sisters, which was fine. Not as much of a close relationship early on, but definitely, like, as I got older, transitioning into womanhood and definitely transitioning into motherhood, me and my mom are very, very close. Um, I talk to the lady every single day, multiple times a day. So, yeah, definitely have done like a a total 360 for our relationship. That makes me think about the highs and lows of just like my personal relationship when I was younger, super close with my mom. And as I began to dive into who I am as a woman, right, what my identity is and how I want to show up in the world, it started to shift because Mothers ask the right questions and daughters often don't have the right answers and that (laughs) friction that began for me in high school. But I I know everyone kind of shifts. Can you talk about what have been some of the most challenging phases of your life being a daughter? Oh, my gosh. So I think you hit it right on the head. Me and my mom, we share similarities, but there are some major differences. And when you're trying to come into your own and you're like, you're already going through puberty and you're already going through like just young adulthood. But when you're like trying to come to your own, like, okay, you're that type of woman, but I don't want to be that type of woman. And those can really conflict and cause arguments and like it parents mothers take it personal they're like what's wrong with the type of woman that I am and it's not that there's something wrong with it but that's not who you want to be and they don't really they don't know how to give you that room because they've been only one type of way with you your whole life seeing you as your own woman without unfortunately being seen as like a threat or like that you're trying to be better than them Mm -hmm. can be very very difficult How does one navigate that process? Because I feel like you just gave us the language as daughters, why 
there are these moments and seasons of deep friction and trying to figure out why and the how. And when I think of my own life, I was going into college and I was just so frustrated. Hate is probably a strong word, but I was close to it with my mom because I'm like, you raised me to be this evil person. And now that I'm mature, (laughs) I don't think she raised me to be an evil person. She raised me to understand a cold world. And if you Mm -hmm. need to fight, here are your tools. Here are the resources. But I thought that those were the only tools and resources. There was no other side. And it's just because she wasn't as connected to the nurturing side, not because those skills didn't exist within her. She just showed them differently. And so I really struggled with navigating Accepting her for who she is, accepting how she raised me, and then moving forth together. And so there was a lot of friction in those college years. How do you navigate the friction between mother and daughters? Um, Personally, for me, it took my own maturity, just just sitting back and being like, okay, like before all other things before she's my mother she's a person she's a woman of her own right and understanding that the things she showed me the things she taught me the way that she is was for her to be the her successful in her life and then she taught me what she deemed was the most important lessons for her and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, as you said, there can be some evil things that are passed along and some some bad qualities that can be taught unbeknownst that it's harmful. And just knowing that those those lessons, good or bad, were always taught out of, out of love and out of hurt and out of growth. And just keeping that in mind, like, I didn't realize that like I started realizing it earlier than other people. I would say when I started, like when I turned 16 and I was like, okay, thinking about my future, thinking about where my life was going to go and kind of be like, oh my God, I'm going to be an adult. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like, and our relationship was like getting really bad because I had a, like she, she, they didn't, they did not want to like give me my space. They didn't want to let me do anything. And it was really hard for them to understand that I had, I was almost grown. Like I was becoming a younger doll. Like I only had like a year and a half. My birthday's early. So I was like, finna graduate high school at 17. So I was already a year away from like going on to the next chapter of my life. And I had to really like kind of understand them understand my mom especially because she we had that's when we start having these conversations about like when she was a, a young girl and when she was a teenager her life looked completely different than mine so she couldn't help me navigate to a certain extent of the next chapter in my life because by the time she was 16 she was she was looking she was already becoming a parent and already not being in her in her mom and dad's house, she was living on her own. So definitely a, a different dynamic. 
You just hit on so I feel like we just got the answer to healing. <laughs> I feel like we just healed every mother <laughs> and daughter's toxic or challenging season in their life. And I say season because sometimes it can feel so hopeless. It can feel hopeless in those moments. But this is an opportunity to see hope at the end of the tunnel. You said two really impactful things that I want to reiterate that you got understanding from her upbringing. So in those conversations, it was understanding her perspective that you were able to say, you know, actually, it wasn't as bad. <laughs> or actually, I see where she's coming from. And the second thing, uh, when we talk about perspective and just growing as individuals, hearing that we don't have the blueprint as mothers. Our mothers didn't have a blueprint. They just did the best that they could with the resources. And so it was about growth. It was about, you know, showing right and wrong. And I think those are two key points, the resources that our mothers had and understanding that their perspective is different. And they're trying to shield us from a piece of pain or a trial that they experienced. And we just don't understand that. And sometimes we may not even go through that same trial, uh, but that's what they know, right? That's a defense mechanism for them to teach us the best ways is to learn from their mistakes and hopefully make different choices and whatever obstacles you come against working together to address those. So I feel like those were those were huge points to healing a, a toxic, a toxic or challenging space with the mother daughter. And so in all of this that we're talking about, we're really heavy on the conflict side because I believe that's what mothers and daughters really struggle with. How do we get up, get up the hill, right? It's not the joyful moments we're struggling with. It's the challenging ones. Where was God in your relationship with your mother or just like in the home um, to be able to navigate some of these spaces and places that were a little bit more challenging? So my mom is religious and she's practices of Christianity, but she's very religious. So for, and I'm very religious myself. And so it was, it was a twofold to this because I was thinking in my head, okay, if you're, if you're so Christianly, if you're so godly, if you're pre preaching this to me <laughs> about how I should be respectful and obedient and this and that, how are you behaving the way you are towards me? Why are you causing conflict with me? You should be wanting to push me to be the best that I can be to support any endeavor I want to do as long as I am following his way. And then is the other side of the coin. It's like, okay, well, God is telling me that I do need to be respectful. Even if you're not respecting me, I do need to be obedient. Even if I think that, what you're telling me is wrong to a certain extent, as long as I'm not, as long as it's not harmful to me or harmful to, to me being obedient to God and faithful. But then it's also like, on the other hand, like, okay, what you're doing is sometimes harmful to me and my spirituality and me being a Christian. So how do I navigate that? And that no one can tell you how to, to a certain extent, how to what's right for you when it comes to your mental health, your spiritual health. That's your relationship with God. And that's for you to protect. And I had to, I had to learn that, that, and that was a part of me understanding, like, she's just a woman. <laughs> no one, she's my mother and she's the greatest woman on this planet to me, but she's just another woman. Mm -hmm. And I cannot let her 
dictate or harm my view, my relationship with God, because that relationship that she's had with God is that her, is her relationship with God. And so she can be as godly, as Christian-like as she wants to. And what her growth is, is her journey. And I cannot judge her for that journey that she's taking because I don't want her to judge me for the journey that I'm taking. Drop mic on that one because I hear self-control and I instantly, and I wrote it this morning, it's crazy. I think of wisdom. And when I say wisdom, I break it down to wisdom is waiting in silence with discipline and obedient mind and heart. And so although you may not agree with everything, having the self-control to be silent and to receive and then to go in your alone space with God, to go into your alone space and just reflect on, okay, let me take my emotions out of it. Because my mom, I mean, the way that she responds sometimes, it could be piercing to my flesh. And so I have practiced the last few months of listening to what she says, just shut up, Tyra, (laughs) like don't respond. And then go somewhere and sit down and be honest with yourself. Is she really speaking to you or is she just speaking through her pain or experiences? And doing that self-reflection, having the self-control to not respond or lash out right away has really changed the dynamic. We went out to eat this past Sunday with my family and her. And she called me and she said, you know, I left feeling like nothing, like just feeling really full. And I didn't know how to take it because it was so different. And that is what it sounds like to come from a toxic season, a mother and daughter toxic season where my mom could walk away and like, whoa, this feels so refreshing that I don't even know how to respond or how to receive it. And that's the beauty of the highs and lows of the dynamic, I believe. And so when we transition right to now being mothers, We're not just daughters. We're in the in-between. We're receiving wisdom from our mothers, and now we're providing wisdom to our daughters. What are some of the biggest things that you know you will continue to do with your daughter? I will continue to be supportive the way my mom has been supportive to me because if it wasn't for my mom, like being that listening ear, uh, being that that okay, I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to help you with that. I wouldn't be the person that I am. I wouldn't be the woman that I am. And I definitely want to, to pass that on to, to my children and their children because family is, unfortunately, now we, we've gone away from this family dynamic, but family is so important. It's still important. And it's, it really can be all that you have. And it, it can make or break you in this world. That's true. You know, just holding family close, no matter the cost, right? Because love endures. Love is doing everything you don't want to do, you don't feel like doing, you don't have the energy to do. But because we love, we love hard and we love without condition, we endure. And so I definitely agree with that. I've had some some very challenging seasons with my mother. And I'm sure it's it's not the end, but I have like some of the the notes that you've given us today, I've taken note on what works for us 
and how we can move better, healthier. So it's not, I don't curse my mom out anymore. The fact that I ever cursed my mom out was probably like <laughs> crossing the line in the first place. Um, but we're not in a place where we argue. We may have like a nice competitive conversation, but it's not an argument. There are no lines of disrespect happening. I'm not hanging up anymore. And so to value and understand that I only have one mother. There may be some other women who play a huge role in my life and who have strengthened me and helped me become the tire that I am today. But only one woman pushed me out. And having a bonus mom, she plays just as much of a role in my life as my actual mom. And understanding that those words of wisdom can only come from a mother, period. And I just hope that my daughters, as they get older, that they value my words even though I didn't always value my mom's, that they value it and that we change the dynamic to, you know, having healthy disagreements and not always walking away in anger. Um, and if we do, we can repatch that, right? So to all the young women who are in the fence, on the fence of being a daughter and a mother, what are some last words of advice you'd like to share with them, Sky? I would say two things. It's okay to be a friend and a mother at the same time. It's okay. And then don't forget that everyone is just human. Everyone's just a woman. And we would dream of it being more than that. But they are people first and individuals first. And we must give them that. That is great advice. This is only one side of the coin, though. Sky has a mother that is currently in her life and has been in her life through the ups and downs. But there's another side to this coin. Let's take a listen. So we are on part two. For part one, we heard Sky in her relationship with her mother and her journey. And there are these highs and lows to motherhood. But there's a flip side to the coin. There are the relationships that feel like a burden, although they're not. There are the relationships that have different perspectives to the same situations. There are relationships that have not been healed. There are relationships that are just going through these roller coasters. And so what we always talk about on the show is giving another perspective. And even on the way here to the studio, I was reflecting as a mother, there are lengths that I will go for my children that they have no idea they don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. They don't understand why I am instilling the skills in which I'm trying to instill in them. And there is this space. We want it to be black and white, but there's a gray area when it comes to mother-daughter relationships, when it comes to any type of relationship, because we're really not in the person's heart to understand and dissect every rhythm and reason to why they do what they do. So when we look at the flip side, our next guest, her perspective, she is transparent, her honesty, anyone who's heard her speak, you breathe a little bit lighter when you walk out of her space because gratitude instantly hits the heart of no matter where you are, no matter what space you're in, there's still opportunity to change the narrative. And so I feel like our guest is wrapped in all these layers of healing. And so Sky talked about her journey with her mother. And so let's start there. What was your journey like with your mother? The journey with my mom before dating and just kind of going into that area of life, it was amazing. I was the only child. I have no sisters. I have no brothers. My cousins was always there, but it never felt like I was not the only child. Christmas time came. I had all the presents under the tree, everything under the tree. 
was always had my name under it. So it was just like, it was, it was really, really good. We were in a good space. For the most part, my mom was a really good mom. It was never a situation where it was just crazy the entire duration of her existence in my life. Mm-hmm. That That's not the case. Whatever I needed, I always had everything that I needed. Mm-hmm. I was spoiled. I was the only, I was the only kid. So it was, it was never a hard life. Right. If it was, I didn't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> I had no recollect of we were behind on bills. I had no recollection of anything. Only thing I knew was that, Mom, I want this. She made it happen for me. Mm-hmm. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah, she made it happen. She made it happen. You know, I reflect a lot on my upbringing, and that kind of just hit home for me in terms of I can have conversations with my mom now and see that there was a lot going on that she I didn't understand even if I heard the conversation and to value that in like such a deep way today. And then I think about my transition to my high school years where I started to feel myself and I started to discover or thought I was discovering who Tyra was that, you know, the resentment that I truly had about things that I may not have understand started to show up in a way that made the relationship difficult. Very difficult. What was Very your different. your teenage years like? Ooh, girl. Um, teenager, um, where I lived in my neighborhood, like I was popular. So everybody knew me growing up in school. I always had somebody around me. I was always a part of something because I was just my personality. I was just oh, I was popular. I was a popular girl in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. My mom's house was the cool house on the block. So everybody hung out. Everybody got out of school, came. We're going over there. We're going to, you know, Miss Joanne's house. You know, we're going over there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, growing up as a teenager, spoiled, didn't have to really work hard for anything. I didn't, you know, I didn't get a job until my 11th grade year. Once I moved out, my mom put me out. That's when I started like, okay, is this is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like now you got to work. And, you know, my aunt was in church as a pastor. And so things were totally different right. in her house opposed to <laughs> in my mom's house. And so just teenager years before the, before all of the offense and everything started to happen, for me, teenage, it was, it was, I had a, I had a very great teenage. I had clothes, clean clothes, whatever shoes came out. I had them, hairdo, I had it, mm-hmm. gold tea, jewelry. Like I had it, I had it. It was never a moment where, as I stated before, I did not have something. Right. I always had whatever I asked for. My mom always made sure I had what I needed every time. So it was, it was, I had a really good, I was in flagette. I was in band. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I was good. I, mm-hmm. Life was literally good. What it made the relationship challenging to the point where you had to move out? Well, I didn't move out. She put me out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a difference. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's a difference. Yes. I, I was, my things were packed up and they were literally thrown on my aunt's lawn. And it was like, hey, you can take her. I don't want her anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it got complicated at a point where um, I turned 16 years old and my mom's like, okay, now you can start dating. But of course there's restrictions. Mm-hmm. And so I met this guy that I just kind of, uh, he's my first everything fell in love with. You know, I experienced my first love with everything when it comes to the first time, everything was with him. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't hear anything nobody had to say. None of that. I had no recollect of anything. Right. All I knew is Jody, 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 <laughs> Jody, Jody, Jody. That's, that's it. I would skip school. I would literally, you know, not go to school. I would go check in and then leave at the home room just to be with him. Mm-hmm. So. Once all of that literally started happening, how it, how it really transitioned, how we got into that was, she said, you can start dating. I said, okay, cool. So I met him, we started dating and we had sex. And so after having sex with him for the first time, I contracted a, a disease. And so I was having really bad 
pain, just pain in my abdominal. I had really bad pain. Mm-hmm. It was to the point where I literally couldn't move. I couldn't go to school. It was just that bad. Mm-hmm. And so my mom said, do you want to go to the doctor? And then first she offered to, excuse me, she, let me back up. She offered to call the ambulance. And I was just kind of like, that's a bit much. Right. And she was like, no, I'll, we can go to the doctor. So she made an appointment. We went. We got tested. They took blood and everything. And so, you know, two weeks later, you go back in mm-hmm. to kind of like get your results. And so when we went back to get my results, I, um, the doctor told me that I had herpes mm-hmm. and I had gonorrhea. Mm. And so my mom just literally, I've never seen my mom cry. Mm-hmm. She's always been this rock. She's always been strong. Single mom. My dad was never in the picture. It was always me and my mom. So for the most part, it was me and my mom. Aside from my cousins, mm-hmm. it was always me and my mom, me and my mom, me and my mom. And so once that happened, I saw this rock shatter. And it literally pierced me in a way where it was just like, wow, you made your mom cry. Right. Because she could not believe what the doctors were saying to her. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I, I, I couldn't understand from that day forward. I could not understand up until maybe two years ago when I literally got rid of her ashes. Mm. I, I did not understand up at that point to that day why she was so protected because she was positive for HIV. And so her way of sheltering me may not have been the way that I felt like she should have. Mm-hmm. But as a mom, I don't want this to happen to you. Right. So her way of doing it was by far the worst, <laughs> unprecedented. But <laughs> I understood, you know, at that point. And so once it was, okay, you have this, you have that. It was okay. You can't go outside. I literally stayed in the house. In my, my senior, my, my, not my senior year, I was with my aunt at that time. So between ninth grade, between, no, 10th grade going into the 11th, mm-hmm. up, t- up in that time frame. That's when it was like for that whole entire year, I did not go outside. Mm-hmm. Could not go outside. I literally stood in a corner. When I got home from school, I did my homework and I stood in the corner until it was dinner time. I, I ate dinner, I took a shower, I got to bed. Literally, that that was the trajectory for a year of just <laughs> of just crazy torment mm-hmm. of her, you know, protecting me, doing, I guess, what she thought was best. Um, it even got to a point within my teenager years in high school where she would be up to the corner store where we live and she would literally be telling my business what the doctor said, you know, all this other kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And people would literally walk up to me in high school and say what they heard, ask me what they heard and say, oh, open your mouth. I heard you got herpes in your mouth. You got sores. I'm like, so my teenage years were terrible. Right. Nobody wanted to talk to me in school. No boys. I had no boyfriends. I had nothing. Everybody was just like, get back. Right. We don't know. No. No, we don't want anything to do with you. And so just going through that for two, three years was just, it was hard. It was, mm-hmm. it was crazy. The coming in and out of my bedroom, calling me names and just literally physically beating on me and just, just torn, just literally just picking and picking and picking. Mm-hmm. Just reflecting like posts, right? Because I feel like there are moments where I see things hindsight. My mom found out the, my first, my love, he's 19 you know, and I'm 15 and she was upset and she went through all these moments of why are you crying over him? Doesn't that sound like a lie? And, you know, in the moment, I didn't realize it. Hindsight, it was like, whoa, so much manipulation. Yes. And when I think about the approach that your mom took, what I hear your mom taking or what she took and the one that my mom did, I think, what do you think she was really upset about? What was really triggering her outside of the diagnosis? I think as a parent, because I'm a parent, mm-hmm. as a as a parent, 
you have this expect this level of, of expectation, excuse me, for your children. For my for my sons, I have a, there's a level of expectation. Mm-hmm. And if they was to ever impose a threat or even lean or even do anything outside of what I expect for their life, I am literally like going insane. Right. Why are you doing it? That doesn't make sense. I'm not physically abusive, but it's verbal. Like, hey, what were you thinking? That doesn't make any sense. You, you want to be like this? I'm driving down the street. I'm like, hey, you see the crackhead? You want to be like that? Mm-hmm. So you need to get it together in school. So for me, that was, I feel like for her, she was disappointed because she had a level of expectation because of what happened to her. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I don't want this to happen to my daughter. I don't want this to happen to you. So I'm going to do all I can to make sure you don't enjoy this whole process because now I'm upset. I'm disappointed. You've shattered every dream or expectation I had for you. So now, bum, this is, this is what I'm going to do out of my frustration. I'm going to abuse and treat you in this way. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a sense of, of she was just disappointed. Right. What was going through your mind at such a young age? I remember being in high school and getting positive results such as an STD and I smacked a car. I lost my mind towards my partner. And it was just like a whole world of emotions that I couldn't process, nor did I have sounding ears to process with. My mom, <laughs> when she found out, it's because I didn't get up and go to school the next day. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And I yelled up the stairs and she just slammed the door like she didn't talk to me. She calls my dad, who does not live in the same town, to talk some sense into me, quote unquote. And then my dad comes up and he buys Popeyes and we sit down and we eat Popeyes and he can't even <laughs> fix his his lips to have a conversation. Right. And so I don't know if I ever honestly went through a process of anything. I think I was just like, man, you lied to me. You supposed to love me. Why you lied to me? And now you're causing more trouble in my life. So I don't know if I ever like really dealt with it. And I also had chlamydia is something you can get rid of too, right? So there's a moment in time and then it kind of vanishes. So what were yeah. your emotions like? To be honest, I'm, I'm just like you. I didn't even have the time to process everything that was happening mm-hmm. because so much was happening because now I'm at wit ends with my mom. You know, the, my lover, I can't see him anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I'm having to deal with school, you know, trying to stay on top of grades, trying to graduate. I couldn't pass the FCAT. So I had so much going on. And even now in my adult age, I try not to get to that space to where I literally just pretend nothing has happened. Right. I just put everything under the rug, put it in a lockbox and I put it away. And it's like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. That, mm-hmm. that, that didn't happen. And so at that age, I really did not process anything until, you know, I gave my life to Christ and I just started this this literally this healing process. And as I began to grow in God, God began to reveal those areas. Hey, there's a little girl in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's that 15, 16 year old little girl. There, there it is right there. And so I literally in my adulthood healed from my childhood trauma mm-hmm. because when I was a child, I did not have the mental capacity. I had nobody to talk to. I felt like nobody understood because everybody in my family was looking at me crazy. My cousin them didn't want to eat a drink behind me. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like an outcast experience to where I could not really do it because I felt like I just need to keep going. I got to go to school. I got to go to school and laugh and act like everything's okay when everything is really not okay. I got this disease I can't get rid of. I got this guy I can't never see again. I got my mom who I love who is not showing me love. Mm-hmm. So it for me, I just literally put everything away like nothing ever happened. Mm. I didn't even tap into it. I didn't process it. I don't, I don't even know. 
at that time. Right. I didn't deal with it at all. So what so I was it, like an adult. So as an adult, what did that process look like? Because I think <laughs> about, <laughs> you know, I'm in a state where <laughs> STDs run high, but I don't even look at the STD side of it. I look at, you know, the foundation, the structure, yeah. the broken structures that are happening in teenage years the lack of being present or understanding, like everything that I experienced as a teen, I'm like, that's what they're going through. And it's on top of my, on my experiences because there are financial issues. Like I wasn't worried about certain pockets where you have youth today who are worried about every, everything around them, right? Stable home, food, money, resources. How do I even go to school? Transportation. Like all these layers. And then you find out you have something that's impacting your health that you have no control over moving forward. What do you have for healing in that space? Wow. (laughs) For healing in that space, it took time because as a woman for a while, I felt like nobody would want me Mm -hmm. because of the herpes. Like nobody wouldn't, nobody don't want to deal with that. Nobody don't want you. I felt dirty. I felt because of that perception of myself that I had there, I wasn't open to healing. Right. It wasn't until the moment to where God literally revamped my life, literally washed me, cleansed me and said, hey, this is who you are. Right. And it was in that moment that it was like, you know what? This is who I am. And it took time for me to wrap hold of it because I'm still fighting what the, what the word of God says. And then I'm still fighting those demons that are there. So it literally took me a time and a process and a season of my life to really deal with what happened. You can't run from it. You holding myself accountable. Forgiving my mom, all of that was a part of the healing process, accepting that, you know, you did it. It was on you. Whether he told you he was sick or not, that was on you. That mm-hmm. that's You can't blame your mom. You can't blame anybody. You have to take accountability. So the hardest part in healing, I even teach that now, is accountability, holding yourself accountable because you want to be the victim and it happened to you and you're the one that's hurt. You're the one that's broken. So you want you don't want to stand in that seat of accountability because you feel like you're the victim. Right. But I had to literally hold myself accountable as an adult. Teenage me, I had to hold myself accountable. And that was the most hardest part to say you knew better, didn't do better, or you, you shouldn't have done this, or you shouldn't continue to sleep with him. You shouldn't have done that, or you just should have. Your mom said it. Like, you know, just all those moments was literally a part of healing is just really holding myself accountable for what I had did, for the part in it that I had to play. Because even after my mom, you know, said, no, I still skip school. You know, even after knowing that you gave me her, even after, after knowing all of this, mm. I was still with you. Right. So it's, it, it was, I was still skipping school. I was still, you know, Grace was slack and I was still pursuing you and allowing you to pursue me in a way to where whatever was, I was told I didn't care. So I had to hold myself accountable in that healing process. Even after, after knowing so much, it was just kind of like, but I love him. <laughs> you know, yes. but I love him. And so... <laughs> I continue, even though you've offended me and you've broken a relationship with my mom, I still allowed myself to go into that place. I literally have to hold myself accountable, which was by far the hardest part. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a big, I think across the board, no matter what topic we're talking about, accountability is hard because there's something that I did that I need to accept. And this is the outcome. I think about that across all areas of my life. Um, even when I think about childhood experiences, like, but I chose not to say anything. So I can't be mad at yeah. anyone else. I chose to keep my mouth closed. I chose to just, you know, put the head down, keep walking. And so I'm just wow. like, there are so many themes that can be unpacked under around all of what you just said. But I feel like the most important part, redefining love. 
So what does Gosh. love look like, not only with partners for you, but from parenting, from mother to daughter and daughter to children? Parenting now and love in general is just now it's such a beautiful thing because I'm not bound. I'm free. I've forgiven my mom. There's moments now where I want to call her. You know, there's moments where I just want to pick up the phone and say, hey, mom, you know, to where, you know, even when she was sick because she got sick because she had HIV. Mm -hmm. And so in her latter part of her life, you know, I wasn't there for her because I had resentment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, knowing that now this woman that I am today, knowing that she went through that and I wasn't there for her, that is by far, it it still weighs on me to to where it's like, I wish I could have, I wish I should have. Because I don't, I didn't want her, even though whatever she'd done to me, I've forgiven her. And so that's why I'm in a place where I wish I could have been. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have held her hand. I wish when she was crying and her body and her health was failing, I wish I could have been there, you know, because even in that latter part of her, her existence, she knew that I was pregnant. She was excited about the baby. Like she was telling the nurses and everything. My mm-hmm. daughter's having a baby, even in her sick bed, mm-hmm. you know, as she was battling HIV and as her body began to shut because it got to a point to where. She just didn't take the medicine anymore. So now your immune system is now just failing. No matter mm-hmm. how much you pump it with now, it's, it's it, the disease is by far so long now to where it's literally eating away at your body and your days are numbered. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just healing and just being able to, to love is really a beautiful thing with my kids. It even got to a place, you know, within myself where I, I didn't even hug my kids. I didn't kiss my kids. I didn't tell my kids I love them because of what happened with my mom. That whole thing literally had me for years to where my, my kids are 11 and 12 now. We mm-hmm. just literally got to a place where it's like, hey, I love you. I love you, too. My son had to go through therapy for some things that he had to go through. And so it literally got us as a family, maybe last year coming into to this year, roughly about a two year time frame to where we now literally in my house, we say, I love you. Mm-hmm. Now I'm literally throwing my hands around my kids. And my, my mom died when my oldest son was was in my stomach. So it's 12 years later that I'm actually literally walking into a place to where I know what love is. Right. I care what you say to me. I don't care how you make me feel. I'm going to love you anyways, because mm-hmm. I am love. God is love. And so I, I just love loving all people because I missed the opportunity to love on my mom. Mm-hmm. So as a mom to my kids, I always tell them, I love you. I'm always loving on them. Mm-hmm. No matter if they get, they, they make the right grades for the nine weeks, whether my son gets a touchdown or not, mm-hmm. you know, whether my son scores high or not on his test, it's always mommy love you. I, I, even though you don't, even though they don't meet my expectations for them every day, never a moment that I don't tell my kids that I love them and I'm proud of them. And when they don't make it, they miss their mark of their own personal goals. Um, they're saying, okay, baby, you can try next time. It's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mommy still love you. Nothing is going to change because you missed or you didn't do what I felt like you should have done. Mm-hmm. You know, listening to you, I, I replay, I just watched this movie. It's called Redeeming Love. And it's Mm -hmm. really depicting God's love for us, no matter how many times we mess up, no matter how many times we say we're going to do something and don't do it, how many times we commit and renege. Like, it's just these these roller coaster moments of being triggered, feeling like, oh, my gosh, I am in a new place and then yet still feeling unworthy. Right. And it's it's a cycle of it. And I. I'm just like so grateful for you talking about your journey with your kids because with my oldest, she's about to be six. And there are so many moments where I look at her and I just reflect like when I was pregnant with you, I was so lost. And I'm so sorry that your first years on this earth was so distant. And, you know, just it was I was putting my baggage on her unconsciously. 
and didn't realize the impact. And so when we talk about worthiness as women, we go through different experiences, but we are impacted to a way where we feel like we're not worth whatever we desire. How has, what has your journey looked like around that worthiness? God is literally my foundation in which I stand on. Mm -hmm. He literally gives me the, the platform and the ground to stand on when it comes to worthiness. When I realize who I am in God, I know that I'm what I've been through makes me even more worthier mm-hmm. of love. It makes me even more worthy of forgiveness, you know, because of how valuable I am to know that God died for me. You know, he sent the son to die for me. Like that, that, that alone, rather what man says, what people says, what I've been through, that alone, that action of love alone says that I'm worthy. And if God saw fit and he saw me worthy, I know that I'm worthy. And so I, I, I can't sell myself short right. <laughs> because I'm, I'm worthy of it. Like it, that for me allows me to be, to stand on the ground and say that I'm worthy because God loves me and God has made it possible. Mm-hmm. He's cleansed me. He's washed me. He's given me a new perspective on life. He's given me a new love. He's given me a new heart. He's given me a new everything. So it's like, yeah, yeah I'm worthy. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like- that? Thank you. You can hold the door for me. You can pour me. Yeah, you can fix my food. You can, yeah, you can feed me. You can, yes, I am worthy of this. No matter what I've done, mm-hmm. I've literally tapped into a space of if this is not the standard, mm-hmm. I don't want it. Was that emotion and that confidence that you just showed, was that I, before or after Christ? That was after. Because before, child, listen, <laughs> that's a whole nother show. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some things that I am not proud of all because I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's a whole other podcast. Wholeness, wholeness feels good. And I think that is something that cannot honestly be explained. Like I have seen myself transition over the last year because I know that I'm whole. And I, yes. I don't even have the words to communicate. Like, I, I don't know. I just it's a joy inside of me that I know you're going through something and I have deep empathy because I've been there before. And yeah. I don't even have the steps literally to give you because your journey is going to look different. But if you yeah. just believe a little bit, you know, life yeah. starts to change. And so that makes I, me think about the little girl that was in me that was in you. She's about 13, 14. We're going to push the age down just a little bit because social media has definitely grown these kids up a little bit faster. She feels unworthy. She has allowed a man to come into her life and control her, whether it's physical abuse, sexual abuse. She's given too much of her to another person and not enough to God. What advice do you have her? Oh, a 14, a 13, 14 that has experienced that Mm -hmm. and does not feel worthy, you say? Yes. Ah, my advice to her would be to find Christ. I would not offer anything else. Because even people that I've, I've come to notice, you can trust people and people will, will literally piggyback or they will literally eat off of your pain and, you know, do more harm sometimes than good. And so when you're in that, you don't trust many people. You don't even trust your mom. You probably don't trust your dad. There's there's so many, you have so many questions and you're just kind of like, who do I turn to? Where do I go? And I feel like, and I believe in that moment, it's like, God, show me. Mm-hmm. In that moment of where I can't trust what's around me, when everything around me looks like a threat, it opposes a threat. If you look at me wrong, if you say something too loud wrong at 13 and 14 years old that you've experienced that, and you're so sensitive to everything. You don't know where to trust. You feel like you go this way, 
what's going to happen. You're just literally in a place where you're overthinking everything. You're overexamining everything. And so I believe in that moment, in that, in that time and in that space, it's more so a cry to the one that created you and the one that knows you better than you know yourself. The one that knows your beginning and your end. He knows what lies ahead of you, even when you don't know what's ahead of you. And I believe in that moment, it's a simple cry to God. And, and it's like, Lord, help me. Lord, show me. Put the right people in my path because I want out of this. God, who can I talk to? And I literally believe that the Lord will respond to the cry of someone that is in need in that space and in that magnitude. God will respond and God will put the right person in your life and God will put the right in your track that will literally help you and usher you out of that space. That's good. So I think the best way to close this episode out in terms of everything that we've talked about, I think there are so many invisible lessons to pain and it's hard to, they're invisible. You can't see them when you're going through. No. It's, it is tunnel vision to how do I get out? Um, and I believe you gave us the process out. And so I would love for you to close the episode with what you want your mom to know about you today. Um, ooh. <laughs> um I remember I started writing a letter to her when I got ready to release her ashes and I, I literally could not finish the letter. And it's still in my top drawer right now. I, I could not finish it. And this was two a year ago, maybe like a year and a half ago when I, I wrote it and I, God was like, you need to get rid of it. You need to let's deal with this. And I started to write a letter to her and I literally got maybe like the third line and I could not finish it because there was not enough words that I could give her now being that the woman that I am today. I would say to my mom that I am stronger. I am wiser. Thank her for the pain because it helped reduce my purpose. It made me a better mom. I would say to her that I love her more than she knows. I would literally just hold her because I've missed her so much. It's been 12 years and we would literally just catch up and just tell her everything that I'm doing and just ministry and business and just where I'm at right now in my life and this platform. You know, I would have told her about the today, <laughs> you know, I, I would just literally sit down and just tell her everything, 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 as much as time would allow me to literally talk to her. I would literally be thankful, grateful and honored to have known her and to have come from her lineage and to be where I'm at today. I didn't even think that I would be here. She probably didn't even think that I would be here today because of the last thing that she probably remembered about me. She probably have no idea of what I've done and who I am today. So I would literally just catch her up on everything that me and the kids have been doing and things that we've experienced as a single parent. It would literally just be like a catch up girl, like girl, let me catch you up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful way to reconnect because it's never too late to do anything, anything that mm -hmm. we desire. And so to everyone who is listening, you know, the invisible message today is you still have breath in your lungs. You still have an opportunity to pick up the phone and to release and to heal yes. and to move forward and to yes. go back to God and be free of everything that has hindered you from being the best version of who you're supposed to be. Pain, it makes us we become diamonds. Don't forget that. You're worthy. He's created you for a purpose. And there's always time. That's all we've got for today's episode here at Podcast Town Studio. These stories, they connect us. The ultimate question, what was the journey like to freedom? Wait, freedom is agreeing to disagree, 
different perspectives, healing from within, all because life and legacy are complex. We see people everywhere, but do we really see them? Their thoughts, griefs, pain, or struggles? To be strong is to heal. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he will help you catch your breath. Remember to breathe. You're stronger than you think. Make sure you stay connected by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Invisible Talks Podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Tyra Elam.